Fancy red glasses and yes, Syracuse. I'm ready shirt. for. You're still obsessed Instagram. with with a school that that you haven't had anything to do with for 30 years. Well, how, how come you correct. don't you do you left Syracuse orange for William Patterson orange? Isn't yeah. our orange better? Isn't our orange a shade better than Syracuse? Just say it's yes. actually almost identical. Interesting when we yes. talk about shades of color. That's what this is. a little different. And Music Biz 101 and more, that's what we do. We talk about shades of business and music. On a snowy evening. A snowy evening. Turn to rain. Turn to rain, February, year of our Lord, 2018. But we do have a wonderful show. We have a tremendous show that's going to take place tonight. Show. Very excited about this radio program. We're going to have a special guest. He's, he's an attorney named Michael Harrington. Steve is a good friend of yours, isn't he? And yours, too. My best friend. Of course. And then we have an, an engineer who's really engineering. He's, she's a genetic engineer, actually, as well. She's mutating things as we speak. Her name is Ashley Welder. Let's give her a little hand. Good job, Ashley. She's doing a great job. Thank you, Ashley. And we have a student co-host tonight as well. Her name is Kellen yes. Barnes. We call her Barnesy. Hello. Yeah. I don't think I like talking like this. You don't like talking like this? Well, welcome then to Music Pits 101 and more. Music Pits 101 and more. Brave New Radio. He's our, uh, she's our uh, Warner rep, too. She represents we the Warner Music Group of the Campus of Wave show without a Warner rep. That's right. I know. We don't, we don't have a show without Kellen Barnes or Ashley Weltner. That's what That's I'm right. saying. That's right. right. That's and there's right. never a show without Dr. Esteban Marconi. One more hand for Dr. Esteban. Thank you. And also my co-host, who needs no introduction. No. My name is Todd. So this is going to be a great show tonight. Music is 101 more. Terrible weather. The school was closed until 5 o'clock, which helped our 8 p.m. slot thrive. That's thrive, right. Esteban. So you're listening to the wonderful music of Rob Fusari. We want to thank Grammy winner Rob Fusari for letting us use his song. We told you who our guest is going to be. We told you all that other stuff. Go to musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, the Fest of the Book, at musicbiz101wp. What you are listening to now quite possibly could be a podcast, which you accessed via iTunes or SoundCloud. You may be listening to us live, and that's fine. In fact, we're going to be taking and reading your tweets in a little bit. Should we give thanks to the folks at Bandine Bruno, Inc.? Okay. We're going to give thanks to the folks at Bandine Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave... U <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> laughing at himself I, now. I do. I always tell my kids. Audience. My kids love Charlie Puth. And I say, when I mention his name on the radio, I always say Charlie Puff. And then I start laughing. They go, do you laugh on the radio, too? Yeah. I say, I never do. With artists like Charlie Puff, Dave Matthews, and Kiss, there's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB. Hyphen. CPA.com when you're ready. And we want to give thanks to Christine Oy. Hey. A wealth manager and president of Oyve Wealth Management. Christine has helped many professionals throughout William Patterson and around the world manage their investments, plan out their retirement. If someone like you, listener, is looking for some guidance on how to plan for your listener retirement, or if you have questions, listener, on anything from investments or portfolio management to insurance retirement planning, you should give Christine a call at 732-455-1510. You can also email her. Christine at Oy. No, take away the Oy. Christine right. at VeyWealth.com. She'll advise you. Dr. Esteban, you were a co-author of a book, I understand. Yes. Name of the book co-authored by you was, is? Is, but who's my other author? Gee, who could that be? Somebody attractive and with a wonderful voice. I can't write. Rob Fusari, no. Managing your band, that's right, sixth edition. That's right. You can get it everywhere. That's right. Not anywhere, everywhere. Right. Good. In fact, uh, when they're looking into what's going on with Trump, mm -hmm. a lot of the things that the Mueller investigation is finding has to do with managing your band, Sixth Edition. There are ties to Russia mm -hmm. in that book. There are ties to uh, campaign finances. You have to play it backwards, but you will hear him. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you play it backwards, it says, I love Ozzy Osbourne. It's That's very, true. very... 80s and so that's available now so we have a guest i believe the guest is called in is this true ashley weltner is, is the are the rumors true the, michael yeah, here. Are, you, are you there michael harrington yes i am i'm here yep how are you guys doing great we had a snowy day but we're doing very well now michael oh good good no i've heard i've heard about it uh <laughs> no, we had we had about two inches so far this year wow that's it yeah. Well, Michael's coming. Finally, he turned on the lights today. It's only Wednesday. But right. after that defeat on Sunday night, oh, his uh, team, his sad Patriots. he could not turn the lights on until today. He then decided that the Brady Bowl was put to rest. Yeah, no problem for me. Yeah. Right. Okay. So anyway, uh, David, we're going to be talking about what I consider a very important and contemporary subject today. We're going to be talking about net neutrality, which you have been pushing, pushing, pushing. Let's do a show on net neutrality. Yes, because I don't think our listening audience uh, understands what ramifications could occur if this is taken away, especially for the DIY musician. And I know that our guest is actually one of uh, America's authority on net neutrality and also public domain and so on. Even though he is not an attorney, he is a music uh, witness uh, for many, many um, copyright suits and so on. So I rang him up, as they say in England, and asked if he would be on the show to sort of um, inform us some of the things that we may not be aware of. And I understand that my co-host has actually thoroughly investigated the internet today and came up with actually arguments why net neutrality is not a good thing. So this could become a very interesting show. Yes. But I think let's start mm -hmm. it off with uh, 
with Michael and sort of uh, not only sort of define what net neutrality is, but certainly talk about that up until very, very recently, that this is the actual policy we have been living with since the start of the Internet. Well, that's the important thing. It, it, it is what we've been living with since the start of the Internet. So the way I've always phrased it was, have you heard, have you heard of the Internet? Do you like it? Have you used it? Do you want to continue using it? You notice that when you type something in a URL, you get to go to that website. You notice how that works? And uh, this is like, we've just come to expect this. It's like, if you think of what you did in the last three or four days living in New Jersey, when you left your house, you went places, you stopped at various places, took different roads. No one said you couldn't go there. No one said you couldn't buy this. You know, this is just a typical American freedom we have. Freedom to move and freedom to move on physical streets and freedom to move on the Internet, which are, you know, paths to go places. So that, that's what we've come to expect. In neutral, the term, seem, when you say neutrality, it's, it's not a word you hear every day. It's not, you didn't learn it in second grade. Um, it just means that the packets of information, the digits that are, you know, being transmitted, that they are treated all the same. There's a neutral treatment. There's no bias. It's not like, oh, these digits are good, and digits from this, this person or this company are good, and that company is not as good. It's just digits. So that's what it means, the Internet being neutral in traffic and, um, you know, information can all, can all flow evenly. So mm. I think of that as what net neutrality is, just the Internet we know and just no biases, no, no one telling you what to do and restricting your freedoms. So it doesn't matter if I'm a millionaire or Donald Trump or Putin or Dave Philp, I am going to get treat, treated the same on the Internet uh, in terms of whatever I'm doing when, the, um, when I turn on my computer and pull it up. That's right. It, it's kind of like when we vote. You know, the, the, your income doesn't matter. On, on November 6, 2018, the next big election... I'll have one vote, and Bill Gates will have one vote. In a company with shares, it's certainly not that way. But it's, 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 that's how voting is, and that's how the Internet is, the freedom to, to access what you want. Mm -hmm. So I'm a DIY, a DIY musician, <laughs> and I have a new tune, and I want to put the tune up on the Internet. So I go to TuneCore and so on and so forth. I'm a member already and so on, and my song goes up, and it is the same quality, uh, and it goes up at the same speed as a Jay-Z tune on Bruno Mars or Kendall That's Lamar right. or whomever, as, mm -hmm. as, as in net neutrality. That's right. It's, it's just digits. Doesn't right. doesn't matter where the digits came from, right. Mm -hmm. So now what is happening that is doing, uh, uh, what are the consequences of doing away with quote-unquote, net neutrality? The consequences are that instead of having freedom now where the government isn't telling you what you can do, you are, is how, how you're typing or entering the URL. That, that's what's, you know, you have no, no one controlling you. Now a company will. And a company will say, well, you know, we own these other companies, some large corporation, will give you faster traffic potentially to companies it likes or companies that, that maybe pay it more 
bribery or official payments or however however they do it. Um, so there'll be there'll be different speeds. They could slow down traffic that goes somewhere. They could it, it, you know increase the speed to other sites. Uh, it it won't be free. They'll be they'll be they'll be able to do these things. This won't be breaking a law. They'll have to say that they're. You know, they'll have to state something about what they're doing, but they, they'll be able to do it. And it'll be, you know, kind of like toll roads um, <laughs> with different levels of price. And But but the Internet is going to really wreck a lot of these experiences for people who can't afford better access and companies that can't, especially if you're a newbie, if you're an independent DIY musician, like you said. Um, you know, you won't get the rate. You won't be able to you know, bargain with uh, Comcast or Verizon or, or you have Time Warner up there and chat or different ISPs, you know, you won't have the the um, the, the power to, you'll have to take what they give you and the cost will be different. And right now they're saying that the cost, uh, if there are costs involved, they haven't even said that yet, but if there are costs involved, of course they would be a Verizon or someone would be charging TuneCore, for example, for a right. better speed. Well, TuneCore mm -hmm. is certainly not going to take it on the chin, and they shouldn't as a, as a company that's in business for profit. So in turn, they're going to charge you, the DIY musician. We can maybe um, visualize different rates that you'll have to pay for different speeds, which actually amounts to different quality of sound that will go out uh, when someone calls up your your song that you've, um, you know, you registered. Right. Mm -hmm. Where right now it's kind of like, it, it's like electricity and water. You know, when I when I drive down to downtown Nashville, I live two, two and a half miles from there, I know the electricity is going to be the same as the electricity here or across the street, or in New York, there are regulations that say, you know, what electricity needs to do and our access to it, and water as well. You know, it's not like, oh, it's better water in this part of town. You know, it's, these, are, these are public goods. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it had been, one of the arguments is to make this, it's saying the Internet is an information service, an information system, as opposed to a public utility, public good. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's part of where, where this goes. So let's take it a step further because people now might be thinking, well, I don't write tunes. I don't have to worry about it. Uh, for example, who owns Netflix now? I can't remember. They own themselves? Yes. Okay. So what could happen is that you want to have Netflix come into your house. And you're, we are uh, optimum here. I believe, which is now has a new name, Spectrum. Altis is the company. Right, the, the parent company. Right. So yeah. there could be deals made where this um, quality of Netflix is not going to be the same quality that maybe uh, if you have Verizon or whomever comes into your home, uh, and you might not have the quality unless you pay more on your service, not to Netflix, but just on your service. Right. Mm -hmm. That could happen as well. So in actuality, we're not just talking about DIY musicians, but we're talking about how this net, a lack of net neutrality could affect actually all of us. 
That's right. Oh, yeah. It, this, this will involve everything because it's, the Internet really is now pretty much a fact of life. You need good Internet access. I think in Finland it's a human right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and countries are considering revising their constitutions. Like what is what are basic rights we have? What kind of freedoms do we have? And we, you know, as, as humans, and I think education. We in the United States have thought education is important. We pay for it. We have a public system. Uh, grades well, one through twelve is public. Um, the internet has to become something like that. I mean, it, all I do is work on the internet. I, I make almost nothing in the real world. It's all coming from the internet. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so many people are doing it that way as well. Mm-hmm. And suddenly if that gets to the point where you can't access certain things, some things are slower, but you're relying upon the whims of a corporation that really doesn't care. They're, they're only going to try to find profit in every nook and cranny they can. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, I'm interested, what would, why would anyone argue against continuing net neutrality? One argument is and you brought up the the whole idea of the toll roads before mm-hmm. and our and our highway system an, an 18 wheeler may go down the New Jersey Turnpike and their toll is going to be more than a compact car regular four wheel car mm-hmm. uh, the reason being is they're I guess in this case, taking up more space, you know, they're they're heavier on the road, more wear and tear, much heavier on the road. So Mm -hmm. because of all that, um, they need to pay more to drive on that same road as, as you, um, in, in the net neutrality, um, idea, uh, analogy, that would be YouTube. uh, If we're talking about Altice, which runs optimum here or time Warner cable, for example, um, Netflix or YouTube take up considerably more bandwidth than something else mm-hmm. than Bandcamp or something. Um, wouldn't they charge, why not charge Netflix and YouTube more money, just like on the highway system? Because if they're taking up so much space, shouldn't they pay for that? Your response to that? Well, I mean, part of, a lot of times, first, a lot, a lot of things they're saying are not really true. They need to prove these. Um, I mean, they've, they've been saying things have been clogged up for 20 years now. And they've been saying the, the Internet's gotten to be a place where people, I mean, Ajit Pai, if you listen to what he's saying, is companies are, don't even want to invest in the They don't know the rules and things have changed and Obama wrecked it and stuff like that. That's the chairman uh, of the FCC, okay. by the way. When, when, when right. you, yeah, just yeah. so people know. Yeah, okay, go on. Yeah, three FCC commissioners are against net neutrality and two are for it. Democrat and Republican. Republicans are against it. Um, well, well, those those things can be worked out anyway in what it, Netflix will charge us. Netflix is going up anyway. I mean, over time, every every subscription seems to rise, so that can be reflected that way. But to, then to put it in the ISP itself and to start to ruin the structure of the internet—that's where it starts to get. You know, if, if it's such a mess that you. you can't go down certain roads. You can't access certain things. I think that becomes the problem. I mean, I, we'll, I'll pay more for Netflix. I mean, it's just a fact of life. Uh, Amazon Prime is sadly, I have to do that as well. I mean, and we expect prices to go up, but not to change the way the internet works. That's what's really wrong. Mm-hmm. And another argument is 
actually uh, net new, the existence of net neutrality is actually the government putting its hands into the free market and regulating the internet, whereas without an absence of net neutrality would allow uh, the free markets to run as they should. And um, now uh, those same, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Time Warner Cable can, can charge extra to whomever they want because they can they can because that's the free market economically. Um, what's, what's a good response to that? I, well, it is the free market. Who gave them the free market? They didn't just have the right to do this. They don't have the right to broadcast radio or broadcast television. That's a public good. The FCC is in charge. Federal Communications Commission is about communication. And it's about television and radio and the Internet. Who gave them that right? That's us. So we're allowing them this privilege, and we're, we're paying for it. But they can't say... You know, they can't then take it further and say, well, no, our rights now exceed yours. We're going to have to charge you more. We're going to do it differently. See, it, it does stem from the government. The government stems from the people. They're later to the game. I mean, we had to give them, we had to give the cable companies, for example, a, a license. We had to say to the regular television stations that existed before cable TV that you will have to help these poor newcomers out. Cable TV was was new and weak, no money, no power, if you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, but the government said, let's let's make it a, a more even playing field. And we a compulsory license was forced upon regular broadcast television to say, no, you got to help these new people out. Well, now the new people are gigantic, and they're very powerful. So now we've got to make sure that it doesn't destroy what we have which was just freedom and the ability to, you just go on the internet. You don't have to then think, oh, it's Thursday. Oh, who owns that company? Oh, is Netflix doing this? Or, you know, we, we shouldn't have to think that. We should still just have access as we do. And that's what, so to, to go back to the free market, we gave them the free market. You know, that's mm -hmm. just something that came about because it's we the people. We can't have, the government is, that, the government is of us, by us, and for us. And what they're trying to do is say, oh, government's getting in the way. No, government granted this for you. Know your place. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And also what always bugs me, unless you're going to go to the little satellite, uh, you don't have a choice. Whatever is at 865 Pines Lake Drive, that's what's coming into the house. And that's what that's I right. got to buy as far as a cable system. So I don't have mm -hmm. a choice to go, well... Time Warner's 20 cents cheaper uh, for Netflix. I'm going to do that. Uh, and that that bugs me. And again, it gets back to exactly what you're saying. The, the free and open market is owned by whom? Right. Mm -hmm. um, do yeah. we have a tweet at all? Did you uh, notice? Since I want to go to the other subject. We have yeah. a, a, another, a number of tweets. And a, a couple more things on net neutrality before, okay, we, sure. before we go. But uh, Well, here, here's... Just sort of a general one, and maybe it's making you restate what you said before, but uh, Melanie Sungo wanted to know, how do you think net neutrality, um, and, and I think what we're talking about now is the absence of net neutrality. Uh, is, yeah. what, do you, what do you call the absence of net neutrality? Just the absence of net neutrality? <laughs> I, I, I couldn't think of the word. The Internet, as Comcast dictates, 
Okay. <laughs> there we go. So, how do you how do you think the internet as Comcast dictates would affect? And by the way, we should understand when you say that Comcast owns NBC, and or NBC Universal, correct? And yeah. so the Olympics. Here's a, here's a, good, a, a good potential example. So there's an absence of net neutrality. You want to watch the Olympics? Um, Comcast will, for some reason, speed up the internet when people are streaming. Olympic coverage and slow down competitive sports that are going on, maybe NBA or maybe I'm trying to think other thing, right. uh, so other that, counter programming so, so that their stuff right. comes across better. Is, is that an example of uh, Comcast doing wrong by the consumer? Yeah, that's throttling, it's called. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it's changing the speed at which access can, you know, they can, they can access the, the Internet. Um, so, yeah, that's something they control. And it's, it, we would prefer it not be that way, right? Okay. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm sorry, Melanie. I'm gonna go to another question because we have, have covered this three times now. Okay. Um, but what about get back to to music and, and publishers? Can you kind of restate again? How is this going to affect uh, Atlantic Records? Has a new Bruno Mars album coming out? Are they concerned about the absence of net neutrality? Are they concerned that Spotify is going to start charging consumers more because Comcast is charging consumers more and Spotify has to pass that along? Well, the, what they can do, part of that's what they're going to do within each company. They're going to have their own rates and their own way they want to do something. If Atlantic wants to release something, they can buy a lot of access. Spotify can, has a lot of access and other, other outlets don't. You know, the, the, uh, the folk musician from Harrisburg and the country player from Mobile, Alabama, you know, that group, they, they won't have the same kind of clout. So they should be able to get on it. But how many places they could do it, I think that's a separate thing. Part of that's a business that's fine. Just let it run. You know, they can, they can put more and more things on the Internet without having to have a, a higher, a differential in price or speed. That's the thing to, to uh, guard against, I think. But you're also saying it could be possible that Spotify itself could be, I guess Comcast could be charging Spotify more money now because the for throttling, and uh, Spotify can say uh, Atlantic or, or Warner Music Group, Universal, Sony Music, um, we're going to let your stuff go faster or sound better. Um, because you guys are partial owners at this point because we haven't gone public yet of Spotify, and that'll be part of our uh, licensing deal. Yet uh, anybody through CD Baby or TuneCore, um, we're not going to allow that same quality or speed of the stream. Is mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. something that could happen, yeah. I guess? Mm -hmm. Yeah, with, without uh, a safeguard on that, that, that is what could happen. It could be different speeds and... And, you know, if you can't get good, it, it's kind of like uh, when you're tuning in a, a station, a terrestrial radio. If you can't get one station too well, you're just stuck with what you can. You know, and the Internet doesn't have to be that way at all. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it doesn't matter where you're located. I mean, I could be in the next room. I could be in the room with you. I happen to be in Nashville. And um, it shouldn't be that, uh-oh, if I'm in Chicago, it's much faster, Detroit's slower. You know, I mean, it's the Internet and the company shouldn't be able to change that. That's what the tenets of net neutrality are. It should be neutral. It should be equal access 
And what you put on, the content is fine. It's all kinds of different content. This is just saying the access should have, you know, it should be smooth. It shouldn't be regulated by a, comp- a for-profit corporation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Kellen, Kellen has a question for you. Uh, did you know Kellen Barnes? Uh, have we introduced you yet to Kellen Barnes, our Warner Music Group rep, who's also our... No, no. Kellen, hey, say Kellen. hi to Michael. Hi, Michael. My name is Kellen. I'm the hey. Warner Music U rep. Uh, my question actually kind of has to do with what you were talking about with streaming. Um, do you think that the absence of net neutrality will affect the way that songwriters and musicians are being paid through streaming services? Mm. It, well, interesting question. It could be because it, it could be that the service is poor and it's harder to access them. It, you know, right now it's just whenever I tune into a station on the internet, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's gobrave.org, or if it's, uh, you know, a large New York City station, it's the same, you know, same fidelity, same everything. If the service, if it's slower or, or different in some way, I think it would have to have an effect because it wouldn't seem as good. Just like a, a shoddy designed website, you, know, you don't want to see something ugly. We now expect something, you know, done in 2018, not something from 1998. Um, so, yeah, without net neutrality, I think things worse. You, you could... How could you compete with a company that can pay for much better service? You know, I think it, it just would be, there's all kinds of things could go wrong with that. And therefore, if the service isn't good and the sound, you know, whatever, how, whatever happens with being able to access the sound and hear the person, see the person, I think then the pay would be, you know, who cares about this? It's not too hard to listen to. It'd be like my, my analogy I made a moment ago of, you know, driving and listening to AM stations at a, not good to receive as you're driving around the country and some are coming in and out. Some some you can hear, some you can't. And to go further with Kellen's question, you could almost see that this could be so complicated because the P, the PROs could be paying at different rates where on based on the quality of the reproduction or the broadcast that went out. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this could be terrible. What is what I I, what I don't understand? um, Obviously, I guess this is a is this another Republican Democratic issue? It a hundred percent is. It really, really, really is. Why is it (laughs) so political? Why why is this such a political issue? Why are they picking this as one of the things? Well, it does come down to money. There are some clear cut differences. I mean, there are some interesting overlaps. We could get to that. I'm not saying Republicans are always wrong. You know, because when it comes to copyright, it can get interesting, very. But when it comes to this issue, just like what happened in 1997 or so, the Fairness and Music Licensing Act, that should have turned every musician into a Democrat. If you remember that bill, which is now part of what's called the copyright law of the United States, mm-hmm. it, it, it went from saying that when a public place, a restaurant, retail store plays music, they have to pay for it. They have to pay the songwriters publisher that was that's the law but this fairness the music licensing act said wait hold on a second we've got to be fair <laughs> we have to be fair to the restaurants and retail so they said if a restaurant is under 3750 square feet and has fewer than six loudspeakers and had a bunch of you know requirements thrown in there as well if it's smaller than that you no longer have to pay yeah. you don't pay ASCAP BMI or CSAC and retail stores under 2000 square feet and this could be hair salons, could be a lot of places. If they're under 2,000 square feet, they don't have to pay. Mm-hmm. That bill was 100% for the, 
uh, Republicans going with the people who had the most money. I mean, if you put the, our, our cute little music industry against the gigantic world of every store, every merchant, every restaurant, everywhere, we're dwarfed. And they went, the, the Republicans went with the people with the money. They even said so. So that, that's an example of Republican-Democrat difference. And this is a big one as well. Uh, for example, I think there are going to be over 20 states. They'll probably join the lawsuit. But there are going to be over 20 states filing a lawsuit against the FCC over what they've done. And the old, all those states that are the plaintiffs suing the FCC have Democrats as attorney, attorneys general. And the other ones who are not a part of it have Republicans in their attorney general position. Mm. So that's just completely clear. That's, that's just how it is. Um, and and I think, it, you know, until we get past that. <laughs> yeah, I think getting right. down to dollars and cents, too, that the, you know, the Republicans on the FTC are pro-big companies, they're pro-big corporations, and so on, whether they mm -hmm. own stock in it or not. You know, that's absurd when there's conflicts of interest there. But right. I think that's another reason why certainly it's within party lines or it's party lines that are separating this thing. Yeah, because right, oh, yeah. be right before we went on air, Kellen and I were just bantering back and forth, and I was saying there has to be something in it for these people besides just ideology. Mm -hmm. There has mm -hmm. to be... Because if... Uh, we, one thing we haven't talked about is the percentage of people in America who are pro-net neutrality. And it's was it's like 90-10 or something in favor. 90% right. of people. Yeah. It's, it's huge. Yeah. Yet right. this 10% who are, are, are saying, no, we're not going to have you, you. It doesn't matter what you guys think. Um, yeah, well, they th got this the is FTC, what we're going to do. They got the FTC to split 50-50, that little 10%. Yeah. Yeah. And... and, and so, so I, I just, you know, the cynical me is is thinking these, you know, the FCC, who it's something's in it for for them. Something's in it for the people who are pushing them so hard and not just the lobbyists. I mean, they're I don't know. Yeah. Well, the big thing is going to be campaign donations and also the press they were able to buy and plant seeds of doubt in people. Because this is one thing Senator Ted Cruz of Texas has said many times. He said, we can't have this net neutrality. This is the quote from him. It's Obamacare for the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, oh, God, could God. you be more dishonest about things, you know, mm -hmm. that that's intellectually wrong. It, it's, it's completely dishonest. Um, so, so there was a lot of talk like that. In the same way you want to get radio royalties for performers, the NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters, comes out and say, what, there's going to be a radio tax? Mm -hmm. Where musicians think, wait a minute, <laughs> these are copyrights in you know copyrights in the Constitution, and it's a federal law. But radio doesn't want to pay musicians, so they they dub it a radio tax. And everyone in this country thinks tax is a four-letter word, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, th those states, uh, I think you said it was twenty-two states that are suing something like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, th I think it's a, um, that are suing the government. Um, uh, over the net neutrality, do they? What? Where, where does that go? Or do they end up winning, and then, or does it like go to the Supreme Court kind of thing? How does well, this work? It, it could. There's a lot of things. There, there are going to be several things they're going after. One is there was a, a thing called the Administrative Procedure Act, and that said federal agencies couldn't make. Uh, I think it's arbitrary and capricious rules. Mm -hmm. In other words, the FCC had 
net neutrality, and then Ajit Pai and the three versus two, the three Republicans versus two Democrat commissioners, uh, voted that, oh, we're going to change it. And we can now, you know, we're throwing out that and we're going to have new rules. So that's one of the things they're going to sue over is that, that, you know, the Administrative Procedure Act. And, and there, there, are other, there are other things well. There's a lot in it. There's a lot of good writing about it. It, it's, um, it gets very technical. You know, there's a lot to keep track of. Uh, what some states and cities are doing now is saying, okay, if you're going to have it, um, we're, gonna, we're now going to pass a law that says if you don't respect net neutrality, no government – uh, agency will do business with you. Uh, Washington State's doing that. Montana's doing it. Um, and there are other things also where uh, Seattle wants to do this. In Chattanooga, Tennessee, of all places in the country, they have the best Internet because they took it into their own hands to create their own network. Mm. Um, and it's it's faster than anywhere. It's better than San Francisco or New York. It's uh, something they just did. And after they did it, the Republicans in Tennessee, Tennessee is very heavily Republican, the state is. They immediately passed a law saying you can never do that again. <laughs> you know, communities cannot create their own. Mm-hmm. So part of it is the idea, shouldn't this be broadband created by cities and, and states? Um, because that could have other issues that could come up. But we've got to, I just think most of us realize we have to ensure that the Internet stay the nice thing it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very fun, ridiculous place. You, the best and worst of people's activities take place there. And, mm-hmm. and to, be, to, to now have a, a company in charge, as opposed to my good sense or bad sense, <laughs> good and bad taste, whatever it is I want to do, I should be able to do without Comcast throttling me or preventing me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kellen, do you have more? I do. Um, so you are an attorney, correct? No. 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 Then I was Mm -mm. lied to. Okay. Um, Nope. This is a good question anyway. So. (laughs) um, I I know. I answer questions about law. How's that? (laughs) Well, it's not necessarily has to do with law, but um, just kind of as a whole, do you think that like people who work on like musicians teams, do you think that they would have to be paid less because of there would be like a tax for things, you know, for if they want their music on different like broadbands and different things like that, do you think that they would be paid differently than what they're paid now because their overhead is so much higher? Well, I didn't call it musicians' teams, did you say? Yeah. Like, like uh, a manager, an agent, things like that, people on their teams. What, wait, why would they be paid differently? I don't know if I understand. Um, what, what, I don't, what that have to do with net neutrality or... So I was doing a little bit of research today, and um, I came across a couple of articles on Rolling Stone and, like, a couple different blogs um, I guess, like, the main concern of a lot of, like, smaller musicians, um, that the people who are doing, like, their promotions and their bookings, um, they would be either paid less or just wouldn't be, I guess, getting, I, I guess really just their paycheck would be less because they would have to pay more in order to be, if net neutrality was gone, um, they would oh, have to oh. pay more, I guess would be. Oh, I see. Well, uh-huh. I, okay, so in other words, if a company is going to have to fork over more money to get on the Internet, some, it stands to reason someone's going to lose a job. Exactly. As yeah. prices go up, yeah, it, that can happen. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. There's usually a, there's a minimum wage. I think it's all done by states. Um, so I, I don't know if the pay gets too low or anything. So yeah, I mean, I think this would have a lot of impact on a lot of things. That's that's interesting. I hadn't thought about 
that part as well. But if the business can't function in the same way and it costs more, you do pass those costs along and you reduce service or reduce number of employees. Yeah, that makes sense. It's one of those things that could come from this. Mm-hmm. Want to move on to your new subject, Dr. Marconi? Well, if you feel that we have thoroughly uh, investigated the net neutrality, yes, I would like to move on to another. Yeah, let's do that because uh, another subject dear to Michael's heart because we're running out of time actually, yes. and that is uh, public domain music and music that actually should be in public domain and sometimes not in public domain for various reasons. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it, maybe we'll start out just with um, our audience again understanding what public domain is versus music that's in copyright. And I should also say to our DIY musician that if they haven't taken any courses here, that they uh, should not in any way feel upset or... Um, think they're cheating because they're playing music in bars and they're playing music on their regular gigs that are copyrighted music and they're not paying anyone because it is not their responsibility to do this. It is, of course, the responsibility of the... Venue. Ah, yes. So anyway, we clear that up. But a little bit um, on how... Well, let's, you know, give the definition of public domain and then let's talk about happy birthday first and then move into the two that are very recent on your plate okay sure well public domain means no one owns it it's so old that's often the reason it's so old that it happened before there was copyright or the copyright expired on it for example in the united states most works of art music um poetry and so forth, created before 1923. Most of those are public domain. And afterwards, they are usually owned by someone, copyrighted. Um, it, it, it can get complicated because under the old law, the 19... We're still sort of living with two, the 1909 Copyright Act and the 1976. And under the 1909 Act, uh, if you didn't... you with 28 years after you registered or published your work, you had to renew it. You had to fill out another form, maybe pay a few dollars. You had to renew your copyright. If you didn't do it within that 12-month period in your 28th year after, you lost copyright. So that happened to a lot of works. Because if you think about it, think what you created 28 years ago. A song you wrote, a, a letter you wrote, something that can be under copyright. If it's still not important to you, you wouldn't want to, I, I don't care. It's, it was the worst song I ever did or the worst whatever. Or, you know, you didn't bother to renew it for some other reason. Uh, then it becomes public domain. So under that old law, there was a period, you know, after the 28th year, it could fall into the public domain. Or if it was worth something, people would renew it. Um, so that impacted a lot of songs. Even even the uh, the song This Land is Your Land has that that feature is one of the issues that we're going to be in court over as well. Um, do, or, or do you want to talk about We Shall Overcome first? Uh, no. That's in, you, you talked about the 09 law, now talk about the 76 law. Okay. And the, yeah. 1976 law changed that. It's, 
in fact, you don't even have to send it to Washington. It's, it's copyrighted from the moment of creation. It needs two things. It has to be original, which generally means it came out of your head. You didn't copy something. As far as you know, these are your thoughts and your expression. So that's the first part. The second part is you have to fix it so that we can prove you really, you can really play it for someone. They can hear it. They can see it, watch it. Um, so it has to be original to you. It has to be fixed in some, can. the expression is tangible medium of expression, now known or later developed. So it could be an MP3. It could be filmed on your iPhone. It could be old-fashioned sheet music, pencil and paper kind of stuff. Uh, so that's what, and now you have it copyright. And now the copyright, it doesn't end. Like in the, in the 1909 law, it could end a few ways. One, it could end if you didn't renew it in the 28th year. Um, but now in this law, there's only one way it can end. And that is for you to die. And then, you know, have your, you have to then be dead for 70 years. After, and then the work gets uh, free to the public. So copyright now is insanely long, um, and that's mainly a big problem. It's not really advantageous to, to many people at all. It hurts the public, so I'll just say that. But so if you're, if you're a 50-year-old, now say you're 70 years old, and you're writing with your 4-year-old grand, grandson, so you're going you're gonna to live maybe 10 more years, and the grandkid's going to live 70 more years or 80. Um, now that copyrighted work, will last for 80 years with the grandkid lives or 90 and then 70 years after the grandkid's death. So you now found a way to extend it to ridiculous, you know, over two centuries kind of. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where we're at with copyright. That, that when it goes into the public domain is now determined by one thing, your death. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you count up to 70. Okay. So what was the controversy with happy birthday? Happy Birthday was written by two women in 1891. And tracing it is to like, hey, what really happened with this? Somehow it didn't get registered with the Copyright Office till I think it was 1935. Like, wait, what happened here? <laughs> so this trying to find these documents. Now, when you register something with the Copyright Office, they don't go through every, you know, period, comma, semicolon, and make sure everything is accurate. There can be, you know, there can be things left out, like it's not a 100% detailed record. But it, it, it became, it became, I think, copyrighted with the Copyright Office. I think it was 1935. Mm -hmm. And it ends up that there's a funny way, some funny things took place that people weren't sure of. And, and then later on, other things took place that you know, went from this one company to eventually the Warner Chapel. But should they have owned it in the first place? There, it's a real complicated mess. Um, but the court found that, no, it's not under copyright because mm. there are things that took place that, you know, like you can't account for. Because what happens sometimes, it's been referred to as copyright creep. You start to not know what got added when to a song as it changes. The We Shall Overcome song changed in so many ways. I, mean, I trace it to the 1780s up until the mid-60s when copyrights were being uh, registered on it. So it, it was, it's complicated, but the, the court, first the court found in the We Shall Overcome case that I was thrilled about this. This was September 8th, 
2017, not that I'll forget it, <laughs> um, and Judge Cote in New York said that the, um, okay, well, it, it's, a, it's an old song that no one can trace. That's what it really comes down to. You, know, mm -hmm. they, you couldn't trace it. But the copyright owner said, well, here's, we took what was here in the public domain, but we added something really special to it. To, we, you know, to, in other words, to own copyright, you've got to add original expression. The key word, the most, word, most important word in the Copyright Act is the word original. Mm -hmm. So they added something original to public domain, so now they can own it. So this is what they added. It was, um, we will overcome, and they changed it to, we shall overcome. Uh -huh. They replaced will with shall. And then deep in my heart, I think it had been the, the phrase, became down in my heart. Huh. So changing deep to down and will to shall, I mean, they the other side really made a big furor about saying how significant that is. Um, and we, uh, what I was writing said, no, no, it's not. And for a lot of reasons, and the judge agreed with us and thought that does. So the judge initially said the first verse in the melody, the music is public domain, but then there was to be a trial this month, February. And before the trial, uh, there were some more depositions Ended up that I think our side looked pretty good, and the reasons were good. And the other side also felt, I think, what they were saying, well, it, it's very costly to wage a war like this, um, which it is. It gets expensive. And they thought at this point, according to their point of view, it's not worth the money. Uh, and we think it's over other issues. Like, well, <laughs> intellectually, we have the smart argument here. Um, they, there was an agreement made between both sides that the, the court agreed to that it's now in the public domain. So now anyone can use it. See, what had happened with We Shall Overcome, they were charging huge amounts of money for it at certain times. Like uh, there was a film about Selma, and they, uh, I think they couldn't even use it for, for oh, a That's time. right. Wait, wait, did the filmmaker bring this lawsuit? Uh, another filmmaker did. Yeah, this is this is over. Um, it's a film called The Butler. Okay, uh, that's Daniels. Because because yeah. Happy Birthday was also brought on by a, a, a filmmaker as well originally, right? A documentary filmmaker. Right, a documentary yeah. filmmaker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting because she was a friend of one of the attorneys at Wolf Haldenstein, the firm that I've been working with, who you know got Happy Birthday to be public domain, and we shall overcome. And I guess she was a friend, and he seemed interested. And another, a law professor got involved, and this other law firm got involved. And uh, he was not at Wolf Haldenstein. His name was Randall Newman. Um, but then, then he got involved with that. That became part of that firm, and it, it went from there. So now it's funny. There was a, an article today in a thing called Law 360, uh, this, this journal. And it, <laughs> they're calling them. Uh, the headline was something like, you, you want to... Uh, you want to challenge a copyright on a famous song? Call these are your guys. <laughs> so they're getting known for like uh, freeing works that should not be under copyright. So this I'm, answers, I'm happy to be a part of it. <laughs> this answers my colleague's question that you had a couple of weeks ago, and you were asking Dave was asking me who brought on this lawsuit? What would they gain by making a song public domain? <laughs> and you just what answered they, it. Like a filmmaker does now, yeah, now, now doesn't have to pay. He doesn't have to pay. Right. 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 He can yeah. use it. So it and comes down to money again. And then what can happen, again. though? 
also to, to the publisher, to Warner Chapel with Happy Birthday, for example, they had to pay a lot of people. They had to pay them back. Mm-hmm. Because, in other words, if it's public domain, then Warner Chapel didn't have the right to charge them. But right. they did, and they accepted millions of dollars, and they had to pay back millions of dollars. Uh-huh. Um, I, and something like that can, I don't know exactly what's going to happen with We Shall Overcome, but it could be something like that. But the most important thing is that, wait, now it's free, as it should have been. The thing about We Shall Overcome, it's a really complicated, uh, it's, I've, done, I've been involved in copyright for, I don't know, 30 years or something, a long time. And this is the most complicated one. Because like I traced the melody to uh, the 1780s or so to an Italian hymn called O Sanctissima, and that is almost all of the melody. And then you start to hear songs or hymns that are like it, created independently um, at different times throughout the early, uh, late, late 1800s, early 1900s. And a lot of these were used at union meetings. A lot of times uh, people in the churches, usually in poor communities, um, would, would sing songs, would sing hymns, and sometimes the cause of the unions, in other words, to be treated humanely, um, the hymns would be adapted. So this the We Shall Overcome song can be traced to different songs. My Jesus Wills is one of them, O Sanctissima. Uh, there's a song called No More Auction Block for Me. Um, and there are others, and you can start to see how things got changed, and, and there'll be... 30 stories of how it happened. Oh, I learned it from this person who learned it from that person. Oh, no, but in Knoxville, they sing it this way. Atlanta sings it this way. And then uh, Memphis, they add this word. And it, got, it was such a complicated, really interesting story. Mm-hmm. But when you can't trace the original owner, like to, to take back the copyright on this, to say it's no longer owned by Ludlow and the Richmond organization, we're not, we, the, the plaintiffs going against them, we're not saying that uh, w- what we're doing is not making some uh, someone into a, a poor widow who's no longer getting the money from what she created. You can, you don't know who created it. it it's got too many places, points of origin over more than 100 years, mm-hmm. both in terms of the, all the music and all the words. And so it, it's just, you know, if, if you know, you know who wrote Yellow Submarine by the Beatles, um, you know, it's, it's the Beatles. You know who wrote a song last week? You know, now we know what goes on, but when something extends back decades and then centuries, it can be impossible to really trace ownership. And when you add to the public domain, you technically own what you added, but then that starts to spread. Like, wait, but you don't own the whole thing. You, you might own those words. So that's why I went from one verse was, under, was, not, was not under copyright, in last September, to now the entire thing is not under copyright. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, we've been talking to our classes about you coming on the air with us, and this is Music Biz 101, one of the greatest radio show in the history of radios. And right. uh, <laughs> we have a tweet from a, um, a graduate jazz student who is very interested in what you do, and Kellen will read the tweet. So his question is, what is your background as a musician and musicologist, and how specifically have you used these skills and knowledge in copyright cases? Ah, well, I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. You know, I watched the television, and I was 10, 
and got a guitar the next day. My father rented me a guitar for a month, and I wouldn't put it down. And by the time I was 12, I was a professional musician. I was teaching people to play and playing live. So I've just fallen into music and always kept doing it. And I got to, I got nice fellowships and stuff and scholarships, went to schools for free, and ended up teaching college. And um, when I moved to Nashville, it was... Um, Oh, and by the way, in terms of the skills, music theory is the ultimate. That is the headiest, most intellectual. It's the best thing about this whole deal. That and composition. I think they're intertwined, but those are the skills. But anyway, so I got to Nashville. I was teaching a school here, and I was I seemed like the right kind of person for lawyers because I have experience in many styles of music as a performer, as someone who writes about it, as music theory. I've taught it and created classes. So having a lot of styles under my belt would help and having a doctorate and hopefully being able to, you know, explain as I had to learn law. Um, it's funny when you don't know it, how funny that gets, <laughs> you realize it's time to learn. Um, but then, then I just felt that more and more people would approach me about, um, copyright issues. And I was around just brilliant people. Usually the other side, they're the ones who teach you more than anything. Like they'll spend eight hours just absolutely, and maybe I've been d deposed for two or three days long, so multiply eight or nine hours by three days. And they're just absolutely trying to destroy you. They're asking you questions you don't know the answer to, so that's the best education there is. Suddenly, I don't know anything. No, I didn't know old traditional country music. You know, I didn't go back Porter Wagner and Tex Ritter and uh, Roy Acuff and all that stuff. So I then I, I after... I had a deposition where I, I, they kept pointing out how stupid I was on country music. So then I, I transcribed 3,000 old country songs, like note for note, everything. So I think my knowledge is, is very good now. But, you know, and you learn what you don't know about law. Okay, now time to learn copyright law, too. So the skills are, it starts out being music. I think music theory, having a good ear, being able to transcribe and transpose. I think dabbling in a lot of styles is the other big deal. Like, don't say, I'm not doing country, I don't like rap, I don't like punk. No, like it all. <laughs> Study it like a fiend. I just, um, read, I just read a really good interview this afternoon with Quincy Jones. And he oh, was, yeah. he was uh, asked about um, current music. And he says his problem with musicians and artists today is they don't understand all the different styles of music. They haven't gone to school, quote, unquote, and listened wow. to all these different genres so that they could incorporate all that knowledge into something new. He said it's all derivative of each other. It's, mm -hmm. And there's nothing interesting, he said, musically about it because they've never, you know, then he, who did he mention? He mentioned... Um, Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. Oh, Marlon Brando mm -hmm. uh, was a good example. He said Marlon Brando wasn't just an actor. He could cha-cha. He could samba. He could talk about all these different kinds of dancing that, mm -hmm. that Marlon Brando could do. He was just a sort of worldly guy who just knew a lot of things about a lot of stuff versus um, the sort of mono, you know, uh, tunnel vision that he was implying that today's musicians have. And you're saying you oh. don't have that, which is good, which helped you and has made given you a career. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you had to do it quickly, if you had to do one thing only, I'd say be an excellent musicologist because they're going to do everything except classical. Mm -hmm. Of course, you should be doing You need the classical skills to kind of do anything, I think, outside of a lot of pop. But, uh, yeah, I think because you don't know what's, what's, when something's going to, like, tie in. Like, if I can find the, under, the underpinnings of, of uh, Van Halen 
or um, Eminem or anyone. If I can find that music in, in Vivaldi or Beethoven, that, that's going to be very useful. You know, are you fine they're doing that in Senegal or in, in, um, in Japan or, or any, any other country? You know, you start to see what what's, we have in common. It's fascinating musically and also from the anthropological point of view aside. Um, but I'm glad he said that because that's the attitude I've always taken. Like, wow, the more I learn, the more I need to learn, the more I realize how ignorant I was. But you start to see things like, wait, different cultures and different times might come up with the same solution. It might sound good for completely different reasons. Like, I think it's a mode. And in India, it's a rag. And I, you know, I know just what they're doing from my ears. The, the Indian musician's going to not know my terms. I won't know the Indian musician's terms. But we came to the same conclusion independently, which mm-hmm. happens in music too. You you can come up with the same five notes um, in all kinds of places. People shouldn't sue over so like, short expressions, and they always seem to, you know. Well, Quincy Quincy also said, uh, talked about what you just said, and he said one of the reasons why you'll hear uh, a song, a European person or a European song sounds something similar to something from Africa was if you go back thousands of years to when, um, before the continental drift, you know, when when the the actual continents fit together, Mm -hmm. he said you had Mm -hmm. all these people, and then I guess when the continents literally split apart, um, the people went with those continents, but they had had that continuity or that sameness for long enough that as they went and became Europe and became South America or wherever, um, mm-hmm. they brought what they had learned, you know, uh, when they were still together, I guess. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking thousands and thousands of years, but music has been around as, you know, as long as humans could grunt. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Wow. Great, great article. Um, we yeah. need to wrap up, Marconi, unless you have a final... 902. 902. We were able to go over because our follow-up show isn't here at the oh. moment. So, um, oh. uh, Kellen, do you have any final words that you'd like to say? Uh, thanks for we... being on the show. I really appreciate it. I think I learned a lot about <laughs> net neutrality that I didn't know and oh, about funny. public domain that we don't really... I mean, we talk about it a lot, but we don't really go in-depth too much. So hint at Marconi and Philip, I don't know, but um, oh, good. I definitely yeah. learned a lot well, tonight. That's good. That's why oh, Marconi thanks, and Phil you tell you to listen to the radio show, by the way. That's right. That's right. And we're, we will see Michael in a week or so. We will see you in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, will we not, Michael? That's right. Yep. I'll be there in a few. Yeah, I'll be going north next week to do a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Some of which will be at, uh, Harvard and, and University of New Hampshire and, and Spotify and Spotify. Uh, Isotope and a lot of, <laughs> lot of fun things coming. <laughs> great. Yeah. Cool. Well, great. So, uh, Michael Harrington, who is not a lawyer but is a doctor. Thank you so much, Michael Harrington, for being here. Oh, <laughs> you're welcome. Thanks a lot. Sorry about your team again. <laughs> not. Red Sox are going to be incredible. He's got the Sox. They're going to sign J.D. Martinez any day. Yeah. I think so. And the Yankees today signed the, one of the best quarterbacks in in football. Yeah, Russell. <laughs> they signed yeah. a quarterback. <laughs> right. <laughs> they'll still be okay. So, yeah, I know. So yeah, th- they'll still be good. <laughs> thank you, Michael. We appreciate it. Thanks for taking oh, the time. Thanks, yeah. Dave. Take- thank you, Steve. Yep. Bye-bye. Love you. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye, guys. Bye-bye. Okay, so we should say bye-bye to our listeners. Are we going to be here next week? We will not be here next week. It's Valentine's Day, and we have some loving to do. So independent of each other. So Valentine's uh, Day 
Massacre. No. Nothen. Show? No. God. Why aren't we on? On Valentine's Day, there is Pioneer Basketball. Ah. William Patterson, the university, there's basketball. And Ashley, how are they doing now? Well, I actually didn't go to the last game, so... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. They're yeah. losing their core fans. Oh, last yeah. week. Look at the merch sales. But I heard it was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Because we do not know if we have a show the week after that because there may or may not be a playoff game. If there is a playoff game, there is no show after that. If there is no playoff game, we have a show and we'll have God, to find a guest. God, what do we do for a guest? Um, it'll be Kellen Barnes and Ashley Weltner, and we will talk about Warner we'll Music U and engineering. So, uh, all right. So, yeah. uh, this has been a great show. So, we, should we thank Ashley? Why not thank Ashley? Let's sure. take a second, Ashley. Thank you so much, Came Ashley Weltner. Snow too. Yeah, she did it. She lives on campus, so she just oh, skipped I over here. She had a little hat no, with it a minor means light nothing on to her. It. This <laughs> weather. So on, you know. Kellen Barnes, who's from Michigan. Yes. Your uh, family lives in. Where's your family live now? Iowa. In Iowa. <sighs> Right, oh, so uh, yeah. people are already campaigning for 2024, actually, in Iowa. They are. Mm. They yes. really are. <laughs> Ted Cruz actually moved there. Yeah, so, he's, still, uh, he's great there. Yeah, love him. They, they love Ted Cruz. They love him. Iowa. Uh, so uh, thank you, Kellen, for being here. Yes, thanks for having yes. me. We'll have you back because we're going to have you definitely in the fall because we're going to have... Um, the folks from Warner Music U on the station, on That's the right. on the air. So yeah. she'll definitely be back for that. Uh, why don't we take some time and thank you, coming up? Well, I thought we'd gone through this. No, for guests. I mean, for, you know. for guests, Alex Fletcher of Fletcher Artist Management will be here on February the 28th. Uh-huh. And we should mention that we are all caught up. All of our podcasts are up. Last week, we had John Bulos mm-hmm. from ex- Executive VP of Atlantic Records. He told me in the car after we left, because I called him VP on the, on the air. He said, yeah. exec VP. So we're in the car. He goes, I am an exec VP. But I don't really care. But then he said, but I am an exec VP. So I think he cares that he's an executive vice president, right. um, of which he is. And I'm a, are you an executive professor at this t- point at William Patterson the University? You should be. You've been here for almost as long as Syracuse has been around. I don't know. No, well, executive uh, professor Esteban Marconi. He's yeah. an exec. He's the CEO and of, course, of all professors. the person who we couldn't do the show without. But we would try. My co-host, <laughs> Dave Phil. That is I, your professor, David Kirkville. Thank you so much. Hey! And we're not going to be here next week, but check out our podcast. Go to Spotify now. Well, go to Spotify, but we're not there. Go to SoundCloud and go to iTunes. Music right. Biz 101 and more. So for Kellen Barnes, for Ashley Veltner, for Esteban Marconi, I'm your professor, David Kirkville. And at the end of every show, we do not say hello. That'd be silly. Instead, of at the end of every show, you know what we say? We say, howdy